Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Put down a deposit, you get up to $1,000 in free plays. All right, now keeping it locked down in the old Pueblo, Mr. William Brad Ellis. Hello, William. Hello, Michael. All right, so fill me in right now. What's going on in Brad Ellisville? Uh, the lull is almost up. Um, hockey season started on Thursday, so I have played, I don't know, four hours of hockey since Thursday including i think the first time in history i played an over 40 game and an under 12 game and no goalies so they asked really? me to stick around and play the elite uh under 12 travel team and uh then the challenge was how hard do you play and then you know how hard do they play uh tyler and riley my twins are both on the school volleyball team uh girls and boys first year playing all this is offered boys volleyball for elementary students and then uh yeah, baseball and volleyball season will start, and so I'll start coaching again. So, uh, and including all of that, we adopted two puppies about two weeks ago. Adorable for sure. Very good. Very good. All right. So let's. So talk yeah, I don't, I'm not sleeping. Basically, yeah. I was going to say, Brad, you're probably not sleeping much then. No. All right. Let's. So let's talk some uh, Arizona football. Um, I uh, obviously scrimmage was in the books. Everybody's talking about Speedy Luke, fam. We'll get to him in a minute. But I wanted to start to. Brad, this is the first time I've felt in about three or four or five years. Again, I'm not saying Arizona's good this year, but this is the first time that I've felt in quite a few years that I didn't think they were going to stink, though, either. Is that right? Is that a fair uh, mark? Where does William go with that? I guess it's how old school you are and what your definition of stinking is. Right. They may only be a three-win football team. Right. But I think they're going to be vastly improved. Uh, right. I think the problem is I think there's still enough major holes and the schedule's tough i mean the three non-conference are difficult and then you've got that what middle six where you've got some combination of right. again usc ucla oregon i think at washington utah uh before you get like that washington state uh asu reprieve at the end well and those could still be two better football teams in arizona um, so they got a lot going against them. The schedule didn't break their way. Um, but again, they should be improved from a talent standpoint. But are they good enough on the offensive line? Are they good enough in the defensive backfield? Do they have enough uh, on the defensive line? And if they can answer those questions, then maybe we can start getting greedy and trying to figure out where six wins come from. Right. Uh, but if not, then you may have to be satisfied. And I think... Honestly, most fans would be. If they can go, you know, three and nine, but of those nine losses, six are competitive. I, I think most fans who are realistic would be happy. Um, in fact, my my dental hygienist, who was a big fan of yours from radio, oh, thanks. Uh, says she's and she's like, oh, yeah, I don't even listen to that old station anymore. Good. Um, it's like, yeah, if they can just win a couple but not stink, I'll be happy. <laughs> and, cool. uh, you know, so I think that's really you're just looking for improvement. And I know these people will say, well, it's all about wins and, you know, there's no moral. Vic when you're a one win in the last 
24 months or whatever they are, and you could actually go back further to what would someone have like that six game losing streak. Yeah, you have to take moral victories. You have to, you can't build a program overnight. You can't plop one elite talent in like you can in basketball and and suddenly turn around the, the, the fortunes of a program. Um, so that's where we're at now because all the best players, with maybe the exception of Jacob Cowing, are freshmen and sophomores. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk back the A Ray. Um, uh, put it very well. He says the bet on DraftKings Sportsbook code word PHNX could be 5.5. I'm taking the over back the A. Let's start at the quarterback position, Brad. Uh, Jaden Delora has started to look really sharp. He looked really sharp in the spring game or excuse me, in the last uh, fall scrimmage. I'm kind of at the point too with him where Sometimes guys are just better when the lights come on and you were right there and you talked about it before you were right there on the ground when Matt Scott and Nick Foles were playing. And you know, there was just something about Nick Foles when the lights came on and with Jaden Delora, we're at the point now where he's played well enough in these scrimmages. He was the PAC 12 freshman of the year that the guy just gets it when the, when the, you know, for the lack of a better term, when the bullets start flying. Yeah. And he, uh, he's a, Instant upgrade to the quarterback position. I think when you combine him and Fafita, um, that knocks McLeod essentially to third, although McLeod may be the backup quarterback uh, this season. Um, you're all instantly upgrading at the quarterback position. But we also have to remember that Delora, while he had some amazing games, he struggled in a few games as well. Um, most notably, the the early season last year losses the, to Utah State and USC. Um, but he also had, you know, 400, 399 yards against Oregon state, right? You know, 280 and a loss to, to Oregon, um, 303 against Portland against Portland state. I know. Uh, so he had to, but so he, is he an instant guarantee? It's not like you're dropping a surefire all American in there, but here's a guy who's been good more often than not. Um, but he's going to have to get help from the line. I think he's going to get help from the receiving core because, Suddenly, I think we're looking at Arizona going, I think, five or six deep of legit Pac-12 receivers. And I think that's important uh, to this program. So, yeah, I'm encouraged by Delora. I would have loved him to have a more consistent camp. Um, And I think he will have, you know, up and down season. But, again, is he better than Will Plummer? Yes. Is he better than Gunnar Cruz? Yes. Is he better than Jordan McLeod? I hope so, but I, I believe so. Right. So, yes, I think as uh, – and frankly, it's probably the strongest Arizona's been at the quarterback position at least since a healthy Anu Solomon and maybe you, you, since Matt Scott. You could maybe go back and we'll talk about the passing game and how that all fits in, but look at uh, Kobe Thiel. Great point here. If you think about it, if we had better QB play, we probably win two or three more games last year. De- uh, Delora will be huge boost. I agree with that. I mean, I know that Arizona won one game, but if you were to swap out the uh, the catastrophe that was uh, Cruz and Plummer and put in Jade and Delora, you're probably looking at a three or four win squad there, uh, Brad. You know, and it most likely they beat BYU and they beat at least NAU. And that's right. not even getting into the Utah game or what could have happened if a healthy Delora goes into the fourth quarter against UCLA. So yeah, I think, I think, I think he makes a good point. Um, and yeah, let's, so let's see if they, again, a let's see how Delora be consistent and B remain healthy. All right. Now wide receivers, because this is an re- incredibly exciting unit here. I am going to go on record here, Brad. 
and again, could I could get into trouble with this. I don't care. I'm going to go on record here and say this is the most talented group of skill guys that the school has had. And again, it's going to take some time. The most talented group of skill guys this school has had since the late 90s where you had Trung and you had Dennis and you had Jeremy McDaniel. And here, let's talk about it. At the wide receiver position, you got Jacob Cowing. Everybody uh, everybody knows about Jacob Cowing and what he could do. T-Mac has certainly shown to be the real deal. You look at Dorian Singer as a guy that um, he just he just makes plays. We're not even talking about guys like Kevin Green or Jamari Joyner or Rayshon Speedy Luke Fam, who we'll get to in a minute. That's a, Brad, there is a ton of or talent Simpson. there. Yeah, uh, yeah, Anthony Simpson, great point. I keep forgetting about him. This is a, and you know, with Jonah Coleman now in the backfield, again, Speedy Luke, fam. You've got all kinds of different options here that we haven't seen in quite a while. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still some questions to the running back position as a guy. Is there a guy who can, or a combination of guys who can average four and a half yards of carry? Um, right. I think the number one guy is going to be Williams, the transfer from mm-hmm. – uh, Auburn slash Florida State. Uh, I think uh, Wiley will certainly get his, uh, his share of ca- carries. Um, I don't think Luke will be seen as a normal running back. I think they're going to use him in a variety of ways. So he's going to get touches, but he's not going to get many carries. The big question is, and who becomes your third running back? Is it Jonah Coleman? Uh, you know, is it uh, Stevie Rocker, who had a couple nice plays in the scrimmage? seems like maybe uh, every, you know Drake Anderson may be on the outside looking in. Who knows if we ever see Jalen John again. Uh, so I think you have bodies. I think you have capable. I don't know if you have a, a, a RB1, if you, if you want to use that. But it may not matter because, again, your wide receiver three may be better than Arizona's had at wide receiver since Hill was here. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it's a huge upgrade overall. And that's probably not fair. Barry Hill was pretty good. But you know what I mean is the fact that you're legitimately looking at your, your third wide receiver as a guy who in years past would have been your number one. And I want to be careful here on something because a lot of people are comparing. Um, uh, and again, the, some of these people that are comparing and played with them. So I say this with utmost respect here. But a lot of people are trying to compare uh, Speedy Luke to Trung Candidate. And quite frankly, other than the fact that they're fast and they can run away from people, I don't really see that because again, Trung was a much bigger dude than Speedy Luke is. Again, I'm not Trung wasn't you know Clarence Farmer, but Tr- Trung was 205 pounds. And Speedy Luke is about 160. Trung also was the guy that he would hit the hole and then he would run away from you. Whereas Speedy is, it's crazy to say this, Speedy I think is a more elusive type player. Yeah, what was Trung's expression? If you give me 18 inches, I'm gone. If you give me 12, I'm still probably gone. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was a guy who would break some tackles. You know, if if you gave him that 12-inch hole, he's running through some people's arm tackles. I'm not sure Luke can do that yet. Right. Uh, to me, the better comparison for Luke, he might be more Dennis Northcutt. Right. Who, again, remember early on was used a little bit as a running back, as a scat back. Um, I think, again, he, I think you'll see him line up in the backfield, in, on, in, in the slot, uh, even out wide. I think if maybe the better comparison might be first year Gary Brightwell, hopefully they figure out how to get him the ball more. Is he still in the, he's not still in the NFL? Yeah, he's still like with the, the Giants. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to make the team or not, but uh, he is still with the Giants, yeah. 
Oh gosh, but it all but it also is fast. It also is fascinating though because we talked about this a little bit yesterday, and Steve Hernandez is talking about this in that we've had so many different players who have been track stars that haven't necessarily been football players where you've had a bug right for <laughs> Steve Hernandez um, or you've had a TJ Johnson. If you watch uh, Rayshon Luke, this is a guy that is a track that has track speed that is football speed. That's a lot. That's a big difference there, Brad. If you go down the list, not all these guys are track guys, but they all had track speed. Right. Uh, you know, whether it's Bug, whether it's uh, uh, Nate Phillips, whether it's uh, Samaji Grant, um, you can go into who was the receiver two years ago. Uh, you know, Makovic had some track guys. Most of them were two and three star players and low three star guys. I think right. Grant may have been the most legit of those. Luke's a four star guy. Right. Luke is a guy who, if he was 20 pounds heavier, would have been a four star guy with all the offers. You know, right. people and, and people say, "Oh, well, that's a knock on him." No, but when when you're USC and you have your choice of a 160 pound four star or a 190 pound four star, you can be selective. Right? Um, doesn't mean you pick the right guy because if you look at it, you know, I think comparisons to, uh. Oh, what was his name with the Oregon? DeAnthony. That's where I kind of go with uh, it. Or even this, maybe not Deshaun Jackson. Jackson was deceptively thick. Right. But those are home run hitting playmaker guys um, that had track speed, but had football savvy. A lot of these guys are track speed north to south, but there's no shake. There's no wiggle. Uh, Speedy Luke appears to have that as well as just a knack for finding holes for making guys miss and all that. Okay. So offensive line now that's going to be, I think the key because on the skill position at the skill position, I think Arizona is very good to be honest with you. Um, I think the starting five is pretty much set where you've got, we've talked about this where you've got the bookend tackles right there. You got Jordan Morgan, you've got uh, Peyton fears. I want to talk to you though, a little bit about Jordan Morgan because he's from your neck of the woods and uh, up in Marana. So, he gets the USC offer. Um, we've always heard that he's a really good athlete. The coaching staff expects a lot. I still haven't necessarily seen it on the field. What am I missing, Brad? And what is he capable of? Because you certainly know quite a bit about the kid. Yeah. Now, unfortunately for, for my scouting, he was not on varsity when I covered Morana with the Morana news. So I didn't see him a whole lot. Right. Or he wasn't a, a prospect at the time. He did kind of come from nowhere. He's a guy who, very much kind of built his reputation at the camps. Right. Uh, went to Arizona's camp, got the offer. The USC offer came because he went to their camp. Played on some very good Morana teams, uh, you know, uh, at the tail end of the uh, of the Bourget era. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but he's a guy who has all the tools, but between, mostly because of his health, has not put it together. Um, so we'll see if he can, because again, it, the, the size is there. The athleticism is there. The strength is there, but yeah, at some point, yeah, you have to make that transition from workout warrior, uh, all what do they call it? All, all lobby team. To yeah. You can actually the play. All airport team. And I don't think we just know, cause he just hasn't been able to stay on the field long enough. Right. Or has been on a very bad line where he had no help. So you can't really tell. Right. 
At the guard position, Jonas Sabanea is obviously going to start from day one. He's a player because of what was what, what went on in Hawaii, you know, with COVID and whatnot. He probably should have been rated significantly higher than he is. I was talking with a few people. Can you remember the last time an interior lineman came into Arizona and they were ready to start from day one? I was trying to remember. What, did Yusuf start as a freshman? I don't remember. Maybe Daniel Borg. Okay. I'm not sure he started right away, but I know he was in the mix as a freshman. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's t- again, it's so tough for linemen for a number of reasons. One, if you've got the size, then it probably meant you don't have the technique because you just beat up on guys. Right. Unless you're playing in one of the elite football conferences, uh, you know, the Catholic League in in L.A. or, or some of the Texas leagues or Florida leagues or. It's really hard because, you know, if you're a, a legit 300-pounder and you're rock solid, um, odds are you might be going against a 230-pound kid in front of you. So right. you don't need technique. Or you come in, you're undersized, you need to add strength. So no matter how good your footwork is and all that, uh, you've got to learn, you know, you got to put on legit man size. Because a right. lot of these guys come in at 265, 275, but need to play at 305. So that's the challenge, I think, is rarely, you know, they're probably normally 20 complete linemen, 25, and four of them are at Alabama, and they're still waiting their turn. Right. Three right. of them are at Ohio State, and they're still waiting their turn. Um, you know, I'd almost, I'm almost surprised sometimes some of these guys don't decide, well, if I go to an Arizona, if I go to a, you know, Oregon State, I can play from day one. I can be in the NFL before my 21st birthday, but they don't think that way. And again, I understand you want to go play for Alabama, win national championships and guarantee your spot in the first round. Uh, But it is a catch 22 for some of these kids because, you know, every once in a while, a freshman will start at Alabama, but a lot of times you do have to wait your turn at these elite schools. Where does Arizona look, they get a legit guy and he's going to start from day one. All right, let's talk a bit, and let's talk here in a second about uh, a four-star kid that's maybe under the radar. That goes to show you too, because in the past, if a four-star came in, it was like whoa. But I've got to tell you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Code word PHNX. All right, Brad. So you put down the deposit, you can get up to a thousand dollars in free plays. Our guy back the A Ray has already said that he didn't care if it was five and a half. He was going to go, he was going to take the over of the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, and he's back in the A. You know what? That's where you want to go. 21 and up, Arizona only, gambling issue, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. But Brad, you're in on the over two and a half and over three, correct? You're back in the A. Yeah, yeah. I I feel a lot better about two and a half than I do the full three. But yeah, I think Arizona... I think, interestingly enough, enough people outside the program and outside the local sphere where we can become enamored uh, feel that Arizona's a sleeper team, too. So, yeah, I feel pretty good about that. All right. Let's talk to Kean Burnett here. And we always talk about the tight end position in the past. Someone was going to utilize the tight end. Uh, it never happened. Rich, Rich Rod, Rod was. Right. Stoops was. Everybody was going to a little, was a little bit. but Right. Now, Kean Burnett, though, is a different animal than anybody's had since Rob Gronkowski was in here. Four-star kid, obviously comes from Arizona football royalty. What's the arrival date for Kean Burnett, in your opinion? Is, does he start as a freshman? And what would you like to see his career, uh, his career trajectory be? You know, I think the interesting thing about Burnett is just how big he really is. Oh, I shouldn't say how big, how strong he really is. Can he legit play tight end on running plays? Or does he have to be more of a, 
hybrid. Right. Um, you know, the, the that they've had a few of these guys over the years. He's really a big receiver, um, but, you know, can occasionally put the hand on the ground and block. My guess is Lines will be the starter because, A, he's more experienced, and, B, he's a physical blocker. But I think if Burnett's not involved in the passing game, especially down in the red zone where you need those big targets, uh, that would be a mistake. And you hope, again, that I think in looking at it, we're seeing a lot about T-Mac being the, the four-star who's living up to the billing. And there is a is a legitimacy to you. A lot of times Arizona gets four-star players who – come to Arizona because they're not really ready to battle other four-star players. Right. But I don't think Burnett and T-Mac and a few, you know, even uh, a few of the other guys are like that. I think these seem to be better than, you know, who are the two guys, you know, Rich Rod had from the same high school. One got hurt. One just wasn't that the good. Salesian, the Salesian yeah, kid. Yeah. So, but I think these guys are, yeah, a little more legit. Um, but now it's imperative that the staff use them right. Because again, we haven't seen Arizona always use the tight end the way we think they should. Okay. Now, because, but Kean Burnett though, obviously Chester Burnett, actually one of the more underrated players in, in that nineties era of Arizona football there. So obviously root for the kid comes from uh, U of a football royalty there. All right. On the defensive side of the ball, I wanted to talk to you a guy about a guy who has really emerged right here. And this is to me is somehow sometimes how the recruiting services miss guys. And I've worked for him. You've worked for him. So, you know, it's not, you know, it's not uh, throwing any salt there. Deuce Davis. So he has been one of the best pass rushers in all of camp so far for the U of A. He has also been in the uh, scrimmage. He had two sacks. Now you look at him. He's 6'2", pretty thin, long, narrow guy. But I never understood why a guy like that would fall through the cracks because, again, his pops is a 10-year NFL veteran. He's uh, The kid himself, Deuce, has a great frame for football. I don't get how guys like that fall through the cracks, especially, too, with where he played at. Yeah, you know, the what I don't know is, in a weird way, in Arizona, you still have to kind of market yourself. Right. Um, because, and frankly, one of the things that has hurt Arizona recruits a little bit from the ranking standpoint is that one of the main evaluators of Arizona talent went back into coaching mm-hmm. uh, high school, and that's uh, the guy at uh, Brophy. Mm-hmm. Um, who did, I think, the Rivals Arizona site. And he was he was a JC coach, but he's very active promoting kids to other schools. Well, now he's doing that with his Brophy kids. Right. Uh, which he should be. He shouldn't be promoting Hamilton and Chandler. Kids. Right. But I think, you know, that's been lost. And I think another one of the Rivals guys moved out of the, the state. I think he went to Carolina. So that hurts. And so, so much of it is you have to go get in front of guys. And most of the guys are not, there's, I don't think, know who's based in Arizona because there's, you know, for, for Jason and Matt and those guys who run individual team sites and, and, you know, Carpen and those guys, sure. They can suggest a guy, but unfortunately, you know, the, the two Tucson guys, Moreno and Jason don't have time to go to every Phoenix game and scout. Right. If they're going to a game, it's to do Arizona centric coverage. You know, I know, I know uh, the rivals guy, Matt Moreno goes to LA a lot for all those kids as he should, because that's where more recruits come from. So if a Greg Biggins doesn't see Deuce Davis, he can't necessarily. So then it becomes USC, you know, coaches and stuff, but a lot of times coaches don't want to let that out. You think Arizona, if they figured out Deuce Davis is in state, 
want him. You know, some of Stoops' old assistants would get that guy a four star, you know. Right. I don't think, you know, I, as, as media savvy as Fish is, he doesn't want USC knowing this kid's here necessarily. Right. Well, you know, it, they, but- they want him for himself. So, uh, you know, and there were some other things. Yeah, he, you know, position side, uh, he had other talent around him at Hamilton. He was Hamilton, I believe, right? I get him mixed up now because they've gotten so many kids in schools they've never recruited Chan- before. Schools that Arizona never got before, Chandler, yeah. Chandler, Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think that's a, it's a combination of things. But I'd be very interested. I don't know because I didn't follow it till Arizona really offered. But did he go to camps? Did he right. go to the Nike, you know, the Spark Camp and the Nike Combines? And did he go to USC's camp and UCLA's camp? Or was he pretty content to just get discovered? Because again, Arizona's got some ins in those schools now, too, as well. Right. So, and that's a big part of the ins that I wanted to talk with you a little bit about in state right here. Um, we joked about it all the time about how Arizona could never get into the Chandler High Schools, whether it was Tommy, whether it was, you know, Rich Rod, whoever it was. Uh, well, Rich Rod could get into a lot of schools. But, you know, just it, Jed Fish has certainly changed, turned that around. Look at a guy like a Dorian Singer who is going to be one of the best players on the team. Chandler kid, not even really, you know, highly rated. But I wanted to ask you about a couple other kids too here. And this is to me where really the uh, the genius of the Jed Fish uh, thing comes in. If he's going to miss, he's going to miss big. So, or if he's going to win, he's going to win big. Let's look at two guys. You got a Tyler Powell right now, who uh, big kid out of Phoenix, running with the tight ends, about six foot seven, and another kid on the line, Isaiah Johnson, who has really who's shown some really nice moments as well. These are the kind of kids that Dick Tomey would get back in the day, and by the time they're a junior, they're starting. And right now, I think that Jed Fish at least gets that template. Yeah, to me, with apologies to Rich Rod, mm-hmm. if you were going to take a flyer, take a flyer on a big athlete, not a five, eight receiver. And again, as a short man, it pains me to say that. But, you know, what I don't know what if Powell was going to stay at uh, tight end. Right. He could be a tackle at six. Right. He could be a DN. Um, you know, if you're going to take a flyer on a, a, a quote unquote skill position play, big safety because they right. turn into big linebackers or they turn right. into tight ends. Uh, who's the kid out in New Mexico right now uh, coming in next year? Oh, um, take a uh, flyer. That's the guy you take a flyer. Now he may be no good. Right. You know, the, the, the kid from Germany. Right. Um, is he a waste? So far, it looks like a waste. I get it. But guess what? What is he? 6'5", right. He has so many things he can be that I don't mind. But again, that needs to be your 24th and 25th scholarship. Right. The problem is Rich Rod brought in all these 5'8 guys and then relied on walk. I mean, when they start two walk-ons on the defensive line one year, well, and that's Belknap the is- and, and, and Parker Zellers. I mean, that to me is the problem. The problem is not taking a flyer on a kid who looks like he's going to end up being about a 310 pound defensive tackle who played at a pretty high level in Phoenix, even if he's raw or again, a six, seven athletic guy, uh, worst comes to worst. He goes become a, a, a walk up power forward. I mean, there's a right. lot of options at those guys that again, much rather have that than a, a five ten safety. 
And that's what's exciting about it, too, is that, you know, in Phoenix, you obviously now listen, I'm not going to sit here and say that you're not going to be able that kids that are going to go to Ohio State aren't going to go to Ohio State. But Fish is recruiting kids at high schools. And we because you and I have talked about this for years. I mean, about how it's Arizona could just never get into Chandler, could just never get into Hamilton. Well, you've got kids on the roster right now. And if they're good, word of mouth spreads. And that'll be interesting to see if that proceeds like that. Yeah, they had, you know, they had trouble getting into Scottsdale Sora, I think. Stoops got one or two kids out of Saguaro. Right. Uh, did a little bit better at Chaparral. Uh, granted, they're maybe not quite the program they were even a few years ago. Um, but, yeah, you know, didn't get a ton of kids out of Brophy. That was out of Brophy. Right. Uh, so, yeah, you need to – I think back in the past, you need to wall off Phoenix and get 50% of the kids you offered. I'm not sure that's a realistic number anymore. But you probably need to land about a third of the kids you really want. Um, and right now I think Arizona's close to that. Now, have they gotten any of the big dogs? Not really. Uh, you know, uh, what Kelly Ringo's starting for Georgia. Right. Um, That'll know. be the next step right now. You're getting the three-star kids. When you get that four-star kid out of Chandler, that gotta, get can... one, gotta get one out of, if there's four in the state, you gotta get one. Right. I agree. All right. We're going to talk some Arizona hoops now in a second. Two things though, FOCO. The number one sports memorabilia merchandise thing going, as we've talked about, Brandon Sanders rocks their gear. And if it's good enough for Brandon Sanders, it's good enough for anybody out there. So check it out. And Four Peaks Brewery, uh, the official brew of PHNX. Check it out, Four Peaks Brewery. All right, Brad. Arizona basketball, I, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Everybody kind of knows, you know, who the players are. But for me, Arizona's not really a national title contender this year. I think they're a top 15 to 25 team. I don't think they necessarily have that next level oomph. But if somebody was to emerge next to a Julius Tabellis, who would that person, who would that player be that you're like, okay, this team's a little bit better now than I thought because you've got another all-conference guy who's putting up 16, 17 a game, or does that guy even exist on the team? I don't think we know. Right. Um, because I don't think we know what a Dama ball can be. Right. Um, I don't think Pella Larson can go from sixth man of the year to first team all pack 12. I agree. But I think, though, there's enough talent on this team that they, while maybe not a legit national title contender, can still flirt with the top three seed. Right. And can still get hot at the right time. I mean, if you look at it, I'm going to assume Tubelis is better than last year. Right. I'm going to assume Omar Ballo is better than last year. I'm going to assume that Kirk Creesa has improved. I'm going to assume that Pella Larson's improved. Um, I need Ramey to be the best Ramey he can be. I need Henderson to be. I'm talking about a lot of talent. I've even no, got. This to is a lot of talent. I haven't even gotten to you know Adama Ball. We you know what can Henry Veser yeah. Vieser, what can Boswell be when he's healthy and in the mix late in the year? Um, so yeah, I think you'd need a lot of things to go right to to mimic last year's team. And I don't think there's a guy who can be as good as Matherin. I'm right. not sure there's anyone as dynamic as Terry. But last year at this time, did we think Terry was going to be as good as he was? We liked him. We both did. Mm -hmm. I'm going to credit to you. You were on the Terry bandwagon right away. I thought he could be a nice – I didn't think he would be as good as he was. Uh, you didn't have him going as the 18th pick? No. I, did I think Matherin was going to be better? Yes. Mm. Matherin was the 
debatable as a as a national player of the year candidate. Right. I mean, exactly. Was, right. Um, Nobody saw him becoming. But again, we all thought lottery pick. We, but I'm not sure we thought a guy that some people think could be, you know, the the, the best prospect in the draft, um, or maybe has the highest upside in the draft. So I don't know because again, this staff develops, and this is now year two. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, they're going to go as far as Kerr and Ramey can take them. And it may be right. one or the other. Uh, they're going to need someone to really kind of explode onto the scene. Uh, I think your best candidate are V-Sir and uh, Ball. But I think this is a team that's going to compete favorably in the Pac-12 and probably be in the mix for a Pac-12 title. All right. And, and it can Kirk- maybe sneak into a top three seed and, and make some noise. I'm curious to see what Kirk Carissa can do this year because we've talked about it before. But you look at it, the, 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 uh, the shot is pure. He came in as a shooter but he didn't make shots at nearly the percentage he did. The one thing that we've always talked about him, though, is that he is a gamer and that he has shown that ability. But to me, Brad, I need Kirk Carissa to be shooting about 42 43% from the field and about 38-39 from three, not 38-32. and 32. That, to me, will make it a much better much bit better team. Now, I got a question for you, Mike. What's that? You like to ask the questions. I do. First of all, do you remember Pedro Guerrero for the Dodgers and Cardinals? Oh, yes. Very much so. Pedro Guerrero hit better as a left fielder than he did a third baseman. Because mm-hmm. you're so worried about fielding. Right. Do you take Kirk Risa off the ball and give it to Ramey and let Kirk Risa be the two? And Interesting. if so, will that improve his jump shot? That's a great question. On top of that, too, if you're Courtney Ramey and you're able to guard the other team's best lead player, if you're able to go against the Terrell Browns, even though he's not here, or the Tiger Campbells, and that frees... Uh, Kerr up to not have as much on that uh, plate. That's an interesting point there, William. I like that point. So, yeah, that's my, my gut feeling is maybe Ramey is the the primary ball handler. Because, right. again, this offense could have up to three or four guys as secondary ball handlers. Uh, and maybe that, again, allows Creasa to kind of settle into maybe his more natural position as, as a shooting guard and a guy who can focus on putting up Shots where he can get his feet set, where he can get uh, come off the screen and not have to worry about distributing and worry more about scoring. Right. Okay. No, I'm in on that. I like that theory. I like that theory a lot. Actually, I'm going to run with that one right here. One thing too that we need to talk about a little bit is Henry Visser, and then we're going to talk a little bit of Arizona women's basketball. But again, I want to and uh, Bcat will will we be a better three point shooting team? I would assume so. We're not going to be Arizona's not going to be better, but I would assume that there's going to be a much better three point percentage because again Dalen wasn't necessarily giving you a ton from three Coloco wasn't Matherin was but you would assume that Arizona would be a little bit better great question um Henry Vieser Arizona hasn't really had a guy like that come in with that kind of build maybe game and he's better than the guy that I'm about to mention since maybe Yvonne Radenovich you know about and Yvonne came in he was all right he had a good first game if I remember but had a monster first game yeah. yeah but Vieser is a player that I still look at, and I think that arrival date is next year. At the, again, he's going to be good this year, but I think people are some people are lumping way too much on him because again, I've seen him up close now. He's a skinny dude. It's a different, you know, it's a different game over here. I think he's probably about nine and five this year, and then he takes that big leap as a sophomore. But I don't see it this year. Yeah, and I think a lot of it is because they're not going to have to need him to be. Because I think again, I, I think this is Tabellus's team if he right. is mentally and physically right. Uh, I think he's the 
he's the guy who has the best chance of being Pac-12 player of the year on this roster. Correct. Um, so you're not going to, because I think there is some duplication. Are Visa and, and him going to play together? Absolutely. But there's some duplication in their game where you, you don't see that duplication with either of those guys and uh, Bala. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think one can detract from the other. And at, at, at the end of the day, you're going to default to the, 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 the better older player. Um, but, yeah, I think Visa comes in. He's very intriguing, very interesting. He's going to have some big games. Uh, but we also have to remember that not only is he transitioning from high school or, or to college, he's transitioning from Europe to America, from European ball to American ball, uh, not knowing enough about him, how much of a language issue is there. I don't know if he's completely right. fluent, partially. I mean, obviously, you know, in Europe, you know how to speak some English. But again, it, I don't know how much of a culture shock. You know, some guys, it takes a while. I mean, Dusan Ristich took a while right. to get acclimated. It almost took him two full years. I know he actually had – he was very entrenched with the, the Serbian community uh, here because he didn't necessarily know who to trust. Other right. guys come in and adapt immediately. Right, um, right. You know. Some come in and they're Kirkrisa, and you can tell that they're just comfortable being with the media, being around people. Exactly. And others, you know, Coloco – had to transition to America when he lived with his sister and then to college basketball and then still learning the game. So I don't know with Visa. I don't know how quick that transition will be. And that might be part of it as well. But again, to is going to be, I would assume the, the, the primary uh, big man when it terms of getting touches, getting opportunities to score. All right, we're going to talk about some little bit of Arizona women's basketball here, but first, got to pay the bills. The DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX. You put in the deposit, you get up to a thousand in free plays. William, what is the over on the Chiefs this year? I think it's like only ten and a half. And I'm now. I'm, let me ask you this, William: If you were on yeah. the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX, would you rather would you take the over on the Chiefs or would you back the A and take the over of two and a half wins? I think they're both good bets. So you might parlay those both on the DraftKings right, Sportsbook yeah. app code word PHNX. Yep. Uh, yeah, you know, people are people are, uh, are are ready to you know the Chiefs aren't finishing fourth in the AFC West. They're Correct. not finishing third in the AFC West. Correct. Maybe second. I mean, all I want to say is my man Mahomes without Tyreek Hill has had three possessions in the in the preseason. He has three touchdowns, and they haven't run an inventive play yet. So don't put dirt on them yet. To our good friend Justin, we'll we'll see what your Chargers can do. To our, <laughs> good, to our good friend Troy out there, yeah. does Russ still have it? Right. Um, I know we got Raiders fans out there. Actually, the, uh, the Raiders are the most intriguing team to me out of that bunch. The Raiders yeah. are fascinating because uh, they could win fourteen or they could win four. Right. So check it out though. DraftKings Sportsbook app code word PHNX. All right, moving over to some Arizona women's basketball. I think back all the time to when, um, you know, when when loot. After basically, you know, after you started losing a lot of games in the uh, early rounds of the tournament and, you know, every looted had a lot of success, but he said, all right, we need to pivot here. We need to do something else. I kind of wonder if that's a little bit of what's going on here with Arizona women's basketball. Obviously, you come off the national championship run last year. It was a struggle to score defensively. You know, you were good, but it was a struggle to score. You look at this recruiting class that you have coming in this year. You've got Maya Naji, who's the highest rated player to ever sign with the U of A. Then you've got two whirlwind guards off the dribble. 
excuse me, in Paris Clark and Kalen Gilbert. And then you got a little Maya Hilton, obviously, and from Canada. And then the following year, you got two top 10 players as well. I kind of feel that last year might have just been that bridge year to a more dynamic roster where Adia doesn't even look Adia doesn't even look back after that. Yeah, and I think part of the problem is, and this is not my criticism of Adia Barnes at all, right. but a couple of your transfers did not live up to their billing. Right. Um, and you lost some of the international players. Either they didn't live up to the billing or they didn't make it here. Remember, they had a they had a couple big-time international players who never showed up, who were supposed right. to be. So, yeah, you had the problem is you lose Ari McDonald, and your backcourt couldn't score. Right. Uh, Pellington's nice, but Pellington can't shoot. Pellington right. can drive, but you can't shoot. And, uh, you know, the other guards were defensive-oriented players. And, you know, some of the other players you were counting on, you know, who was – the one transfer came in, she had 17 points a game at her last school. She, she couldn't average eight. Right. Um, you know, I know there were people clamoring for, for like Taylor Chavez who had one really good shooting year at Oregon, but the rest of her career has not been a great shooter. Um, so yeah, I think, you know, I think in some ways Adia has reinvented, they're still relying on transfers, but they're really going heavy domestic now as opposed right. to going, cause she doesn't have to rely on the international be interesting to see if Tommy makes that, that switch. And I'm not sure he would. Um, but yeah, but Adia also had a bigger hole to dig out of than, uh, than, than Tommy Lloyd does. So yeah, I think she, I think saying last year was a transition year. I think they had some injury issues. Again, some players not performing up to what they did at their prior school and all that hurts. Right. But see, now, though, I think that you got a little bit more of a margin for error, though, because you obviously, assuming Kate Reese comes back, you obviously pencil her in right there. She's uh, she's proven. And then you've got other returners, obviously. And then you bring in the players that I was just talking about. And then you bring in transfers. And these are going to be interesting transfers, though, because you've got a Jay Laville out of uh, ASU who averaged 17 a game and lit up Arizona last year. So, you know, you've seen up close what she can do. And then you've got excuse me, a Lauren Fields who put up 15 a game at Oklahoma state. Then an Esmeri Martinez, who was kind of your Jack of all trades, 12 and eight. These are players that at least at the power five level have shown that they can play. Like you said, it's always interesting when you transfer, but the guess here is that all of these players can play. Yeah. And again, you never know. Cause again, who uh, the, the player from Vandy couldn't even come close to her numbers right. last year. And then she's already like gone, but um, otherwise, but you know, you got Reese. And again, if you can keep Reese healthy, that was part of the problem. She, mm -hmm. she was not right in the NCAA tournament. Right. So. You're coming sure. off of uh, that shoulder injury. Uh, you know, you throw those three transfers in with Najee, with Lauren, where, um, yeah, you've got, you know, you've got a very solid eight minimum. And then if you can get a few of the others to, to continue to evolve and develop, you're in a very nice place. You know, you got Pellington running the show again this year and she's so dynamic. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, again, and, and I, very encouraged, but again, now you take that pressure off of her because she had to try to shoot the game winner and made it once, I think, but right. you know, you don't want Shayna Pellington taking the game winning three pointer and apologies to our boy, Reggie Geary. You didn't want him taking right. the three pointer. Either. Sure. You wanted him guarding the, the last Correct. shot. Same thing with Pellington. Right. And I think, uh, this squad though, before we sign off, let me ask you this in the next five years, does Arizona make another final four? Yes. In the next 10 years, does Arizona win a national championship? I would say yes, but I think, again, that's such a 
The MCA uh, oh, I know, is I know. such a crapshoot. For sure. Um, there's no reason loot should only have one. Right. And For- loot one one with what he shouldn't. Right. Um, so I think it's really hard to project. It's like, you know, I think it's easy to say everyone's critical. Miller's one bad call and 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 one uh first half foul away, probably from two final fours. So right. you know, revisionist history, yes. So I will say I would like to think that she will win a a, a final four or a national title, but it's such a crapshoot. But yeah, I think I think if they don't get to at least one more final four, then something is definitely. But wrong. but doesn't that also show you how far she's elevated the program and how well she's brought everything that because I asked you and I would have answered the same way when I said, Does she make does Arizona make a final four in the next five years? And you said yes. And you know, coming up, you know, like with Arizona uh, men's basketball, every fourth year you're probably going to make a final four. That was just kind of the way it was. And you kind of feel that that's the way it is with Arizona women's basketball now. I got a bigger question for you is how many years does Gino have left? And how I don't many want, years left right. does Tara have left? Right. See, is Adia Barnes, along with maybe Don Staley, five years away from being the face of college basketball? I think that's exactly what she is. And on top of that, you know what's exciting? And people ask me all the time, do you think she'll stick at Arizona? The thing that I, first of all, besides being an alumni, which certainly matters, she can win a national title here at Arizona. She's already shown that she's recruiting at that level. But I think the thing that's so enticing, though, about that is, and it's kind of like the loot situation, whatever success you have at Arizona is going to be all you. People will associate that brand, that product with you. Whereas if you go off to another power, if you go off to Baylor or UConn, yeah, that's awesome. But there's always someone there. The success that she would have at Arizona would be all hers. I, and I don't think the appeal of the WNBA is there. I just don't think it's a big enough deal to be honest. I agree. Um, You know, we don't, who's the best coach in the WNBA? I don't, I don't know. Right, right. Who's the best you know who the best coaches in women's college? Who are the best coaches? It's it's Kim Mulkey. It's right. you know it's yep. Gino Ariema. It's Vanderbeer, yes, yeah, and a few others. You know Don Staley. Right. Um, so the fact that you know two dudes who didn't really follow a whole lot of women's right. college basketball, we know who Pat Summit is. Yes. Right. Um. Yeah. Who was the New York Liberty coach when they won it? I don't. I don't know. No clue. Yeah. But- so. I don't think there's that appeal there. And again, as an alum, as someone raising a family, as a place that will put the necessary funds in the women's college, at least now. And that's, I think, if you're going to lose to Dia Barnes, it's because something sours with the administration, not because Tennessee comes calling. Right, right. Um, And again, maybe Tennessee is the bad example, because I, I guess you're getting further and further away from the Pat summit era. So maybe right. there's some, you can rebuild that program. Right. Uh, but otherwise, you know, it's like maybe bring back Nia butts if you're Tennessee. Yeah. That's, that'd be a great move. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't see a deal leaving for another job unless something sours in Tucson. Again, right. Kiki go, moves on. They bring in someone, they butt heads, they slash the budget. She can't recruit at the level. Cause she, you know, she's taken, she, we've seen the problems she's right. had with airlines already. Right. For um, sure. You, you know, when she's taken, you know, uh, uh sandpiper air, if you remember mm-hmm. wings, that's a right. funny reference. Right. Um, I know, so yeah, I know. That, I know that to me would be the only way you're going to lose a deal. Or if she just gave up on coaching, but I think if you've survived infants and toddlers, yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to be the problem. 
He is William Brad Alice and everybody out there again. Thank you from Kobe to B cat to back the a Ray, everybody on there, Steve Hernandez, all of you guys, MLS central, all you guys, fantastic. Tina, appreciate you all. We will be back with you next week for Brad Alice. I'm Mike Luke. Before we uh, sign off though, Brad, where can they find all your stuff? Uh, yeah, just follow me on Twitter, WSR Brad. The podcast is going up. Probably have two this week, and then we'll really jump into it game week. Uh, you can find that on Anchor, Spotify. Although Google's not updating for some reason, but it should be on Google and Apple, anywhere you find your podcast. For Brad Alice, I'm Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Oh, <music>